Chapter 10 of the Boy Scouts Along the Susquehanna. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Boy Scouts Along the Susquehanna by Herbert Carter. Chapter 10 The Deserted Shanty Boat. Nobody home, Thad, remarked Giraffe presently. It looks that way, admitted the patrol leader for the light of the little lamp allowed them to see every part of the interior, and some of the scouts had even bent down to look under the table and behind an old trunk, without result. If he stepped out to go on an errand down the road, where there might be some sort of house, it looks queer to me that he'd leave his supper cooking on the stove here, and as Alan said this, he pushed back a frying pan that seemed to contain fried potatoes so nearly done they would have started to burn in a few more minutes. "'Gosh, don't this mystery beat everything,' Bumpus was heard to mutter. And since the stout scout seldom expressed himself forcibly, it could easily be understood that he was now well worked up. At the same time, he warmed his hands by the fire, and even stooped down to take a closer whiff of the cooking food, which must have appealed irresistibly to a hungry scout, who was also reckoned a champion feeder. "'He'd better be hurrying back then,' Stephen interposed, "'if he don't want to get his jacket wet.' because she's starting into rain, boys, you hear. Sure enough, they caught the increasing patter of descending drops on the roof of the cabin, showing that the long-delayed storm had broken bounds at last. Woof, talk to me about luck. We've got it in big chunks, said Giraffe, grinning, as he relieved himself of his haversack and immediately began to open the same, as though bent on considering their own supper. How kind of the storm, said Smithy. It held off until we had run upon this haven of refuge. I hope now the owner will allow us to stay with him overnight, for it would break my heart to have to step out of this comfortable place into the nasty wet. Don't worry, Smithy, asserted Giraffe. It'd have to be a charge of dynamite that'd hoist me out of this. Possession is nine points of the law, they say, and we're here to stay, even if we have to pay three prices for accommodations. And I want to tell you that with that jolly fire so handy, we'll be silly to delay getting our own supper ready. Don't bother with what is on the stove, warned Thad. Only shove it back. For when the owner of the boat does come home, he'll want it. Plenty of room for our purpose, isn't there, boys? They assured him on this point, and then both Giraffe and Bumpus busied themselves. The contents of the various haversacks soon disclosed a quantity of eatables, and the cooking of supper was deemed a snap by those in charge, since they had the rare privilege of doing their work on a real stove, with plenty of wood handy. Let the rain beat upon the roof overhead until it made such a racket they had at times to fairly shout in order to be heard who cared, with a cabin to shield them from the fury of the storm. Thad hardly anticipated that the absent owner of the boat would return while the rain was coming down in such torrents, though if it relaxed its violence later on, they might expect to see him. Some of the other boys did not have quite so much confidence, for whenever there was a sudden movement to the boat, as some gust of wind struck the upper end, the more nervous ones would hastily glance toward the door, as though half expecting to see it thrown open and an angry boatman push in, demanding to know what they meant by taking possession during his absence. But supper was cooked and placed upon the table without any interruption of this sort taking place. There was not room for them all to gather around the table. Indeed, they filled the small cabin pretty well, eight of them in a space that was really intended for two or three, and that did not interfere with everyone getting his share of food, though he had to sit cross-legged like a Turk on the floor to devour it. 
All of them were in fairly high spirits now. The solving of the problem as to where they were to find shelter from the storm did considerable to lift them to this plain. Then again, the enjoyment they found in satisfying their hunger with good things had its share, as well as the warmth of the cabin, which was certainly a feature worth considering. Supper done, and still no let-up to the downfall of rain, which was beating the liveliest kind of a tattoo upon the roof. Thad was glad to discover no signs of a leak anywhere, which spoke well for the tidiness of the owner. Giraffe, noticing how Thad looked up and around, must have guessed what the other was thinking about, to judge from the remark he made. No use talking, Thad. The chap who owns this boat can't be that Irishman who, when someone asked him why he didn't mend his leaky roof, said that when the weather was dry he didn't think to bother with it, and when it rained why he couldn't mend it. This one is as tight as a drum. We're a lucky lot of scouts again, and I'm only sorry that the mysterious owner isn't here to enjoy the hospitality of the shanty boat. Once Thad walked over to the door, which he found could be secured inside with a bar. It also had a padlock on the outside, showing that it might be the habit of the owner when he left his home for a time to fasten it securely. I'm glad that padlock wasn't in use when we struck here, remarked Alan, who had followed the leader over. We'd have been compelled to break in, and that's a serious offense against the law if you're caught, though we'd have left money to pay for our housing. Thad opened the door and they looked out into the pitch darkness of the night, though neither of them essayed to step beyond the sill. The storm was now in full blast, and the river seemed to be rushing past the moored shanty boat with foam on the little waves formed by the sweeping wind. Looks pretty ugly, doesn't it, said Thad. I never would have believed the Susquehanna could get on such a rampage as this, Alan remarked in turn. I always had an idea it was a peaceful sort of river, with beautiful banks and the canal running along in places parallel to the river. But I declare you'd think it was the big Mississippi right now, what we can see of it, from the way our light shines on the water. It's on the boom, you know, Thad told him, and there's an unusual amount of water in the channel. But from the way the rain's coming down, it'll be a flood before 24 hours, if ever there was one along here. Lucky we struck a boat then, instead of some shanty close to the bank, because in that case, Thad, we might have been washed away before morning, as the river kept on rising a foot an hour, perhaps. Thad closed the door again. Looks a whole lot better inside than out, he observed, which makes me feel glad we're not cowering under a branch shelter and taking a ducking. Even with the rubber blankets, we couldn't expect to keep halfway dry when it's pelting down as steady as that. I've been trying to figure out what happened here, said Alan. There was some man in this cabin, and he was getting supper when we gave that first shout. Now it might be he looked out, and glimpsing a bunch of fellows in khaki suits and carrying guns running this way, he thought we were soldiers. He may have had some good reason for not wanting to meet up with the state troops, and so cut and ran for it. That's the thing I've made up my mind to. And according to my way of thinking, you're close to the truth, Alan, he was told by the patrol leader. I noticed that you dropped that bar and placed that, after you'd shut the door. What was the idea of doing that? Well, it doesn't seem to be just the right thing, fastening a man's own door against him, laughed the other. But as we all want to get some sleep tonight, being tired... I thought it might be best to fix things so we'd have ample warning if the owner of the boat did turn up. Let him knock and we'll be only too glad to open up, only we don't want him to walk in on us and catch us napping. There's no telling how unpleasant he might make it for us. This sound reasoning appealed favorably to Alan. 
The window, you see, has got a stout iron bar across it, he went on to say, and a fellow would have the time of his life trying to crawl through such a small space, so it's all right. We can lie down to sleep without worrying. They were in fact pretty well played out, having been up a good part of the previous night, it will be remembered, and the day's tramp had been anything but a picnic to certain members of the party who need not be mentioned by name. Accordingly, about an hour after they had finished supper, there began to be a movement on foot looking to finding accommodations for spreading blankets on the hard floor of the cabin. Space was somewhat at a premium, since there were eight of the scouts. The owner of the shanty boat had some sort of contraption in the way of a cot, which in the daytime could be fastened up against the wall, and in this manner avoid taking up a considerable amount of space to be dropped when needed. None of the boys considered for a moment using that cot, all of them preferring to make sure of the protection of their own clean blankets on the floor. Bumpus, while very tired, was afraid that he might not get to sleep as easily as he would have liked, because of the way his mind was worked up. Giraffe, in talking about matters, had happened to suggest that possibly the man owning the boat may have been seized with a fit when he was stooping over to draw some water from the river in a bucket, and had fallen overboard, and the thought of such a terrible thing happening filled the mind of the tender-hearted Bumpus, who never liked to see anyone suffer if he could help it. But although the roar of the storm and the dash of the waves against the side of the boat, causing it to rock from time to time, bothered some of the scouts in the beginning, they finally grew more accustomed to the chorus of sounds, and in the end all of them slept as only exhausted boys may. Thad had remained awake after the last of his chums yielded to the drowsy feeling that overcame them, but finally he too found forgetfulness in sleep. He was aroused by someone clutching him desperately, and realized that Giraffe, who chanced to have lain down alongside the leader, was calling his name wildly. All was darkness around them, they had seen fit to put out the little lamp, wishing to save the oil as much as possible. The bellowing storm still held full sway without, and while there had been no thunder and lightning, as must have been the case had it happened in midsummer, the forces of nature were fiercely contending and combined to make a terrible noise. But Thad immediately became aware of the fact that there was a new motion to the shanty boat on which they had found such welcome refuge. It rocked violently and pitched very much after the manner of a bucking bronco trying to unseat a rider. Thad could give a quick guess what this signified, though it chilled him to the very marrow to realize the new horror that had come upon them. The other boys were all aroused by now, even Bumpus, who usually had to be rolled violently before he would open his eyes, and their various exclamations of alarm began to be heard all around him in the gloom of the cabin interior. What is it, Thad? My stars, just feel the old boat jumping, would you? I'm beginning to be seasick already, complained Smithy. Thad, what do you think? Has she broken away from her moorings, demanded Giraffe, and the anxious listeners felt a shock when they heard the patrol leader reply, I'm afraid that's just what's happened, boys, and that we're adrift on the flood. End of chapter 10